This is Mary Lewis with A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Crystal at the Rare Daisy. Good morning, Crystal. How are you this morning? I am doing very well. How are you? Um, pretty good. I am waiting for the polar vortex to drop <laughs> this weekend, but other than that, we're all good. I'm just waiting for spring. That too, yes, but I feel like we haven't even had winter yet, so what are you going to do? Right. Okay, well, tell me about your business, the Rare Daisy. Yeah, so um, um, I own a business with my uh, nine-year-old daughter called the Rare Daisy. Um, We started our business in August of 2022. it's, it's really been a journey, I can tell you that. So our business model kind of focuses on um, it's cottage food business. So mm-hmm. we um, make items that primarily start from our garden. So we have a lot of, um, we do cocktail syrups, mocktail syrups. We have a whole drink line that, you know, things that you can make drinks with that are natural. So we have some infusion kits. Um we sell freeze-dried foods and candy um, and jams, spices, pretty much anything that you can uh, make with a canner, I would say that. so. Okay, why is it called the Rare Daisy? So the Rare Daisy uh, started because the daisy is my birth month flower, so it's something that's probably not talked a lot about. Um, But every month has a flower, and the daisy is April, and that is my birth month. And when we were coming up with names, we wanted something that would um, reflect how unique we are in the cottage food business, but could also grow into a name of a boutique or something else if um, if we ever get that far. So we just wanted something that would carry us through. Um, our journey on a business as it transforms. That would be a great name for a boutique. I would, I would <laughs> stop in. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about the freeze dried candy because I've heard about it, but I don't know how that works. So tell me about that first. So, um, you know, first of all, it starts with having a freeze dryer and, um, that was something that, you know, as a as a gardener and I'll say like kind of an urban homesteader, I've had my eyes on for a long time. But, you know, they're not cheap. So, um, you know, we put a little work into it to get one. And I first started just preparing foods for our family and, and putting foods on our shelf and in our pantry. And I had a friend down the street that was like, oh, you should make some candy. Have you ever seen that on TikTok? And I was like never seen this on TikTok. And this is, you know, way back in 2022. I ended up watching some videos and this was before it was like super trendy. And um, yeah, we started with some Skittles and, you know, back then there wasn't a lot of help groups or how to do this. And we just started putting them in and figuring out how it worked. And um, basically what the freeze dryer does is um, through a process of sublimation, it takes the moisture out of your foods um, and it doesn't use extreme heat like a dehydrator would. So your candy, um, it like poofs up. Typically it changes texture. So like a Skittle will go from like chewy to crunchy. Like um, I describe it as like kick cereal or something. And then the flavor is extremely intense because again, there's no moisture in that, that candy anymore. So you get a really intense flavor. Um, so it's been it's been really trendy, but it sells really good. And, um, you know, a lot of people at craft shows and teenagers and kids really like that because it's just something different than you would get at the gas station. Yeah, absolutely. So can you can you freeze dry a three musketeers bar? You can. So <laughs> so chocolate, um, chocolate does not freeze dry. Butter doesn't freeze dry. Peanut butter doesn't freeze dry. Anything that's really fatty doesn't freeze dry. So uh, Three Musketeer, the nougat inside becomes crunchy like a Whopper, you know, um, mm-hmm. and then the caramel kind of hardens up too. And so you still get the miltiness of the chocolate, but inside it's got a crunch. 
I would really love to get a freeze dryer, but you're right. They are very expensive. I couldn't believe how expensive the smallest one is. And yeah. that would be the first thing I would do because I love Three Musketeers bars. And I actually sent my son into the store to grab one for me when he was getting something else. And he came out and he was like, they didn't have any. <laughs> yeah, I... there's there's a shortage of certain candies out there right now because people do have freeze dryers and they're they're um, grabbing stuff up as quickly as they can to freeze dry it. So, huh. Well, I didn't know that. I guess I'll have to go on Amazon and buy a bag of the small ones if they have any. <laughs> um, so do you freeze dry you freeze dry stuff from your garden too? Yeah, so that's primarily why I got it and in the beginning it was really to deal with like the abundance of her- herbs, you know. So I've I've dehydrated herbs for years. Um just a good way to deal with the oregano and the chives and everything that, you know, you Mm -hmm. grow in your garden, right? Um, So that was one of the reasons why I got the freeze dryer, just because, like, the dehydrator couldn't keep up. And um, obviously, there's the shelf life. If you learn how to preserve your food in it, the right way is um, a lot longer. So dehydrated foods, you know, are usually like a year to two years Freeze-dried foods can last for up to 25 if you um, if you prepare them correctly and package them correctly. So that was one of the reasons why I really went down that road was your your canner, your dehydrator, and can only can only go so far during harvest season. And um, you know, I we have apple trees and there's just so many things that we have on this little acre in Maple Grove that. Um, I needed something else to kind of help me preserve those those items, and um, that's where that came from, you know, is just trying to help us deal with the abundance, really. Is freeze-drying a faster process than canning and um, dehydrating? Uh, no. So the freeze-dryer, like, if I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing apple, apple slices right now, and um, there's a lot of things that kind of go into how quickly your um, machine works. So do you pre if you pre-freeze your items first, I mean, um, you can take eight to 10 hours off, but I would say on average, most of the, most of the cycles of, of regular food are, you know, between 22 and 30 hours. Um, but like something that has a lot of moisture, like pineapple, <laughs> um, tomatoes, those things can go upwards in the 40 hours um, running through the machine. So it just, it really, it really depends on what you're, what you're processing. And like I said, if you pre-freeze, that can take a lot of time off. So if I'm doing pineapples, those things are always, um, I always pre-freeze them. Um, Anything with seeds in them, I pre-freeze and I, I put extra dry time on anything with a seed because it may feel dry, but if that seed has any moisture left in it, it will spoil the food that you package. Um, so yeah. you you just got to, I would say, like, if you're not already used to preserving your foods through dehydrating and canning, I would maybe start there first if your goal is to get a freeze dryer to preserve food for long-term storage, just so you can make sure, like, this is something I want to do and I'm going to use, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, um, I actually use my gas range to dry our herbs and at the lowest setting on our gas range, it takes about two hours mm-hmm. to, to dehydrate herbs to the point where they're crispy, you know, where, yeah. where you squish them between your fingers and they fall apart. Yep. Yeah. And then we store them in canning jars with airtight lids. And yeah. we've had them last for about a year and a half before they start to not smell like anything anymore. Yep. So yeah. that's how we do it. Yeah, and that's a good way too. I mean, even though I have a dehydrator, I still I still dry stuff in the oven too. Some It's sometimes a little quicker than a dehydrator because I would say on average my dehydrated goods are 8 to 10 hours depending on what, what's what I'm dehydrating in that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think like, oh, I can't start this 
until I go buy this expensive machine somewhere, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's not true. Um, you you can do it in your oven, your lowest setting, which is usually 200 or 225. Some go lower, but yeah, you just bring it up to temp, put your stuff in, and then I crack my door and let it go for, like you said, two hours, three hours, depending on what you're dehydrating, and and um, that works really well. Um, I've done that with citrus before, so you mm-hmm. can, you know, t- I would just dry off the oranges if you're doing oranges first a little bit, and then, yeah, you can do the same thing, flip them over once, and um you got yourself some really good dehydrated foods that you can package up and put on your pantry. So, yeah. And it's, it's a little less expensive. I actually feel guilty when we do it because I know we're spending our, our propane because we have a propane tank for our stove, (laughs) but then it's, it's the difference between going to the store and buying the little tiny container of dried, whatever it is I need for an herb or a spice. Correct. Versus what we grew. So, I was um I was just looking at that the other day I did have to go to the store and get some get some spices that I didn't have and I was like I can't believe that a jar of dried chives were like I think it was like 6.99 okay for I think it was like a 2 ounce spice jar yeah and um you know chives are a perennial they come back every year you plant them once as they long as they're never out, they spread everywhere. So it's a, it's a, you know, maybe a four dollar investment for your plant at a nursery or seeds for two bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You'll have them forever, and and those are things where, yeah, you just you can do them like like you said, you can dry them in a in a in a range if you have that in your oven. You can do it in a dehydrator. You can do it in the freeze dryer. But, I mean, I I can I can dehydrate. I think you know probably. 24 ounces or more and that cost me maybe six dollars if that to run through my my freeze dryer um and that will last me more than a year so i mean it just there's ways that um there's little ways to start right to help you save money at the grocery store and and um herbs are a good way to do that but you know yeah, you're preaching to the choir. Um, I, I make granola. I started making it years ago for the kids for breakfast. And it's the recipe is like six cups of oatmeal. It doesn't matter whether it's rolled oats or quick oats or whatever. And like three quarters of a cup of honey, three quarters of a cup of vegetable oil, some cinnamon, and some vanilla. That's it. That's it. And you basically stir it all together, put it in a, a pan so that it can go in the oven and you bake it at like 325 degrees for 15 minutes. You stir it once, you put it, you put it back in for another 15 minutes. It's done. And I was making a batch the other morning and it, it takes me maybe five minutes to put together. And my, my youngest son who was upstairs came down he was like, Oh, you're making granola. And I said, yeah, we need some, I need some. And he said, how long does it take you to make it? And I said, 35 minutes. He said, 35 minutes of active putting it together. I said, no, five minutes to put it together, 30 minutes to cook it. And he said, and people pay us $12 a bag for the (laughs) granola at the farmer's market. And I said, yes, they do. He says, why? I said, well, number one, they may not have the ingredients on hand. Number two, they may not have the recipe. And number three, they're really paying for the convenience of just having it already made. Yes. And it, yeah, it, and it, and that's important. I just want to say that, you know, I want to, for anybody who's listening to this, you know, I, I just want to say thank you from us because that, that you are paying for the convenience. You're supporting small businesses when you do that. And it does make a huge difference, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always great to be self-sustaining um, and be able to make all that stuff. But I'll be the first one to tell you, I am a sucker for um, supporting small businesses like mine and yours. And, you know, Uh I have other friends in the cottage food business, you know, I can, I can bake a cake. Um, but there's just times like on birthdays, my daughter's birthday is coming up and I am 100% using a local cottage food producer and I am buying a cake from them because, um, that is, that is what all of us need to keep going. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm, 
happy that your son asked that question, right? Like, what? They're and they're spending twelve dollars a bag from us, but it is it is so it is such a good thing when um, people do take their twelve dollars and and support us and and support the other people at the farmers markets because if we didn't have that, obviously we wouldn't have a market for people to shop at. So, absolutely. And when he when he stopped looking kind of dumbfounded because he listened to what I said. He said, oh, it's like we can make our own pizzas at home, but sometimes we really do want to order a pizza from a place that makes them. And yeah. I said, yeah, sometimes I want to put the time in. Other times I just want food in front of me now. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, okay. He said, well, our granola must be really good if people are willing to pay 12 bucks a bag. And I said, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Well, and I, you can taste the difference. I tell people that all the time. You can go to the store um, – but there's just something different, I think, when it's made from a small business with local natural ingredients. And um, you just, I don't know if it tastes better because, you know, somebody put their heart and soul and creativity into it. Or, you know, if it's just because um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because then you're also getting um, typically small batch ingredients and, and it just, everything's a little bit more fresh, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, no one cooks unless they love to do it. They just don't. And when you love to do something, people typically set intentions, whether, whether they realize they're doing it or not, there's intention in what they're making. Yeah. So I think it's love and intention and good ingredients, whatever those, or, or supplies, whatever yeah. they are. That's exactly it. I mean, and I can say that even for my products, right? There's times where it's just not right. And I know it's not right. My daughter knows it's not right. And when it's not right, we don't, we don't sell it to our customers, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and we don't, we don't, um, there's a, a funny story. A couple months ago, we were making, uh, cocktail syrups and, um, I had to do like, I think I had to do like four four different flavors of it right and I was getting ready for market and my daughter's up helping me and we got to like the last batch we were doing the rose cardamom and um as I made it and I was like looking at the color I'm like well this doesn't look right and it had to be I don't ten thirty at night we're exhausted I mean, canning takes a while anyways, right? Mm -hmm. And I poured it into the into a glass bowl and I was like, Oh man, it's 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 not red, it's kinda green. And um, you know, 'cause you're using I'm using organic rose petals and um cardamom seeds have like a greenish tint to them and I was like, Man, I don't know what I did, but it was ten thirty at night and my daughter's like, I think it's time we just pour it down the drain, mom, and we start over tomorrow when we can make it look right. And I was <laughs> like, you know, it it sucked. because um, it tasted it tasted all right. But I was like, you know, you're right, it's not it's not to the quality that our other things are. And um I I could have easily added in a couple drops of some coloring and got the product looking all right, but, um, that's not who we are and that's not what we sell. So we did, we poured it down the drain and we both laughed and cleaned up our kitchen and, um, went off to bed and thought, yeah, well, we'll just tackle that one again tomorrow. And hopefully we can, you know, figure out what went wrong and get it right. But, um, you're right. You know, you have to have a love for what you do. And most of the people, selling what we sell and in those markets are very passionate about what they're making. And, and I, I think that's why it, yeah, it tastes so much better and it's just um, a good feeling supporting mm -hmm. that business and using their products. Yeah. What's the shelf life on your, 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 uh, what you were just talking about? So um, I like to say eight to, as long as you don't open it, obviously, eight months to a year. I mean, it's canned. So I know some canned products can go longer than that, but, um, I, I tell people it, it will last eight to 12 months on the shelf. And if you open it up, I mean, on the packaging, it says, you know, two to four weeks, but, um, you, I mean, I consume canned products all the time. I look at it, right. If it's got some floaties or the smell is off from when you first opened it, obviously I wouldn't consume it. Um, but 
you know, you can easily get four weeks out of these syrups if you put them in the fridge after you're done using them, sometimes a little longer than that. So, um, you know, but they do have to be refrigerated after you open the bottle. So, yeah, my mom canned from the time we were little until I moved out. I mean, she still cans and she's 77 now, I think. And she used to say, when in doubt, throw it out when she would open anything she can. And it's a good thing to be, you know, to remember. But the reason I asked how long the shelf life is, is it's a shame that you that you dumped it out because uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up and you could have sold it as a St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) I could have. I could have. You know, that's those are things where that's what I was thinking, too. Like, um, do you. Do I save it? Do I put it in jars for myself? Um, but I, you know, there's just times where you're in the kitchen for so long. <laughs> and then I was like, it's 1030 at night. Is this just a sign from God saying, Crystal, go to bed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and um, so that's the way I took it. Right. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll just start again tomorrow. And, you know, there becomes a, a point in your in your business where you almost become a perfectionist about your product, right? Because you care about it so much. And, mm-hmm. and I chalked it up to a, a learning, I'm like, well, that was a learning curve. And, um, you know, we just, yeah, start again the next day and, and try to do better every time. So. Yeah. I actually told this story before in a different podcast recording, but I'm going to tell it again because it might be relevant. Um, we make, well, I make lip balms from beeswax and coconut oil and olive oil and vitamin E oil and something else. I can't remember. And um, I made a batch of what I thought was going to be vanilla flavored lip balms with actual vanilla oil, not extract, but oil and made the lip balms, stirred the, the vanilla oil in. It smelled amazing. And then once it set up, I tried it and it was bitter. It was bitter like the darkest coffee you've ever tasted and could not use it as a lip balm. And I looked at my recipe for my lotion bars and it's basically the same thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, I just made lip balm tubes full of vanilla lotion bar stuff. (laughs) And I have to be really careful when we sell them because I have to remember that the one that says vanilla is the the bot the body balm or lotion bar, and the one that has fragrance oil, not fragrance oil, um, flavor oil on the label is the actual yep. lip balm. Lip balm. <laughs> so so I have really yummy smelling body balm right now, and it does. It smells amazing. Yeah. But same thing, and I just I couldn't bear to throw it out because. The ingredients are not they're un, they're not cheap. expensive, but yeah. they're they're not cheap. They're not cheap, yeah. So my thing is, what can I do with the thing that I made differently? How can I use it still? And I'm yeah. sure you're the same way. But at that time of night, you were probably just like, "Never mind, I give up." Never mind. Mm-hmm. That's ex- yeah. And and I'll be honest, like I think a lot of us that get into these kind of crafts and food, we 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 love making. I love making bath and body products too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done the same thing, right? You think like, oh, this is going to be delicious. I did a, um, one of my first times I ever tried making lip balm, I did a vanilla coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it would be really cute to actually leave some coffee grounds in there to make it like an exfoliant. Yes. Um, yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't that great it wasn't a great feeling it wasn't a great flavor of the coffee beans being in there um they almost got like a little acidic you know and that's that's the first thing my friend looked at me that put it on and she's like do I have to keep using it Uh and I'm like um no but we're gonna have to turn this and turn this into something else you know because that's exactly it you I mean Shea butter, beeswax isn't that cheap. I mean, you can get it cheap, right? But depending on the quality of ingredients you use, and um, that, but that's one of the things where I just sat there and I thought, you know, I'll make these things for myself and my friends and family, but I don't, I don't think I'm gonna put these on the market shelf anytime soon, you know, mm-hmm. until I figure that out a little better. So, 
Yep. There was a lady at the farmer's market this summer who has been, has had reactions to every lip balm she's tried. And she tried one of our unscented on, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just the ingredients. There's no oils. There's no, no scent, no taste, no nothing. And she emailed me, um, Oh, sometime back in the fall. And she said, do you have any more of that? And I said, well, yes. What are you, what are you looking for? She said, can I order 10 from you? And I said, yes, ma'am, you can. <laughs> I said, um, you getting ready for stocking stuffers? And she said, no. She said, your lip balm is the most wonderful thing ever. I don't have any reaction to it. And that's the first one I've ever found. And my heart, like, grew two times because we had made something that someone actually needed, which was Mm -hmm. great. But also back when I first started making lip balms, I did it for me because, you know, we start somewhere. And after I had perfected the unscented lip balms, I was like, I really want a peppermint mocha lip balm. Mm. I'm going to make one. And so I got out my ingredients and I got out instant coffee Yep. And some uh, peppermint oil that I had gotten from a friend that was for cooking. And it, it had no alcohol in it because what most people don't know is you can't use extracts that have alcohol yeah. in oils because they don't mix. Right. And so I whipped it together and I poured it in the lip balm tubes and let it set up and tried it. And it tasted exactly like a peppermint mocha. I was I was in love. Like I gave, I made 25 or 30 of them. And I gave some to my neighbors and some to family and some to friends. And I kept six of them and promptly put them away and lost them. So I had (laughs) one. Still have not found the other five. I'm sure they got tossed in the move that we did three years ago. But everyone who tried it was like, this is amazing. Like it's silky and it stays put and it tastes so good. I'm like, uh-huh. Isn't that wonderful, though, when you can, like, gift your friends something like that, something just as simple as a lip balm and, like, how how appreciative they are of that? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's that's one of the things that I love the most is just being able to bless my friends, neighbors, coworkers, anything like that. You know what I mean? Just be, like, a little gift of, here you go. You know, I, I was thinking of you. And, uh-huh. um... And that's just one less thing that they have to buy at the gas station or Target or, you know what I mean? And, and, um, I mean, even some of the, I do, I'll do like, um, body butters too, usually like in the winter. And that's, that's exactly what I'll do is I'll just gift my friends that. And to them, they're like, you know, it's just nice because first of all, you made it and you're gifting us that. And then it's natural ingredients. They don't have to go to the store. They don't have to spend you know, 12 or 14 or $22 on something. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful way of, in my opinion, saying thank you. And, you know, I see you and I notice you and stuff like that and thinking of you. So I'm sure your friends that got those were probably thinking the same thing and, and what a treat to get something that's that good. Right. Yeah. It was really fun. It was really fun to make. It was really fun to have it turn out the way I wanted it. And it was really fun to see their faces when they mm-hmm. tried it. Um, many Christmases ago, I, I don't know, maybe five years ago, we maybe longer than that. We were at the family Christmas party and uh, everyone had had tried our soaps that we make. They're the, okay. the they're the cold process lye soaps mm-hmm. and they love them. And I ended up just bringing like a box full of the different scents. And when it was time for people to get their presents from us, I had gift bags with their names on them. And I said, I did not pick presents for you. I brought a box, whatever you want, put it in your bag. And they were all like, are you kidding? I said, no, whatever scent you want. It's, it's right it's there. Yours. There's Ziploc bags, throw them in the bags, throw them in your Christmas bag. Merry Christmas. They went nuts. They had such a good time picking out what they wanted. Yeah. So that's what we do for Christmas too, is, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how everybody is listening, but in our neighborhood, I mean, we give gifts to all of our neighbors. Most of our neighbors and our neighbors gift us back. We're in a cul-de-sac, um, but then we have a couple like down the street and some close friends, you know, it's just, 
just something that we've always done since we've lived here. And this year, because we've always done some home, homemade gifts, but this year we did um, lemon cello. So we took, you know, six to eight weeks before Christmas and started um, soaking our um, clear spirits with uh, organic lemon peels and mm -hmm. Um, we made that, um, I did, I gave them homemade vanilla extract. So that's something I make myself too. And I started that like a gallon of it last year. So that was super flavor, flavorful and delicious. Um, I did, I think we gave them, um, like homemade, uh, ranch powder. So you find these recipes all over Pinterest and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had some different, um, salts that were made and and we just made this gift basket of all these things that you know we were that we produced we thought of and and um put that time into and you know our neighbors were just super excited to have that right like i mean i didn't have to go out and you know shop for each one of them think of something crazy or elaborate we my husband and i just kind of sit down and say okay well what you know what should we get them this year and and, um, and, and, oh, and then jams and jellies were in there that we make too. And, um, they absolutely love those things. It's like such a, such a cool gift. Right. And, um, I know if I was at your family Christmas, I would have been stoked to get homemade soap like that. I, I don't think I've used store-bought soap in probably four years. If, if I'm being honest, I, I can't, once you use those cold processed um, soaps that you make, those natural soaps, I'm telling you, your skin will, will never want to go back to um, some sort of body wash that you buy at the store. It's just your skin feels so much better when you use those kind of soaps. And the yeah. smell in the shower is just like amazing, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, I just love the smell of those things in the shower. Well, it wakes you up, which helps because most people take their showers in the morning, mm -hmm. typically, unless they're really dirty from the day and they take them at bedtime and that's fine yep. too. Yep. Get a lavender scented soap. You'll sleep like a baby. Yeah. Um, my yep. husband actually hadn't made soaps in quite a few years, like, like, I don't know, two or three years. And I ended up having to buy store-bought soap. And as soon as I used it the first time, I was like... Honey, you, you got to make at least one batch of unscented soap. I said, my skin is so dry and so itchy. I said, this is not going to work. And that was the reason we started making them back 15, 20 years ago. Yep. Because every time I took a shower, my face felt like it still had a, a coating of soap on my face. Yep. And it would make my skin feel like it was cracking. And it wasn't, but it was just gross. So... A lot of the things that we do, I think we do for ourselves, and then we want to share it. And then people yeah. are like, you should sell this. And if you can yep. figure out how to do that and not go broke, it, it's a great thing to do. Yeah. And that's exactly how we started, too, because I used to, I mean, in my garden, I mean, we kind of, I don't want to say we feed our neighbors, but we have, we do gift our neighbors a lot of produce and, like I said, jams and jellies. And that's kind of how everything started. I would be giving my neighbors all this stuff, right. That I made with, um, things that I've harvested from my yard. And, um, mm -hmm. one of my neighbors is like, Crystal, why are you not selling this stuff? She's like, you should be selling this stuff. Like she goes, I literally go places to buy things like this. And, um, I had, I remember I had, I had no clue what a cottage food producer was. I had no clue what that registration was. And she, um, my neighbor had sent me all the information and she's like, I'd read through this and, and look into doing this thing. And, um, that's really how I, st I'm like, I had no clue. I, I was so clueless on that. You know, I just, uh, I was just a girl with a garden in the backyard, um, having a fun time canning and making all this stuff, but I had no idea like how to go about and sell it. And, mm -hmm. and when she sent me that, that's how I, I've. I'm like, oh, hey, this is like a cool thing. Like we could potentially do this. And, you know, we spent some months like obviously like giving people things and like, hey, would you buy this? Does this taste good? Like, you know, and, and that's still a process we do, by the way, all the time. I'm sure you do the same thing. Like we're making things and we're like having our friends test it. And 
I have a I have a close group of um, friends that I use, and even some some customers that have kind of turned into um, quality control, quality control, <laughs> and brand management, right? But uh, you know, and then I'll make something, and I'll be like, okay, like how much would you buy this for? This is what I was thinking of selling it for. And, and I really have a group that is, I'll say, different demographics, different um, income levels. You know, I kind of try to um, test it out. But I will say this, all of them are within the age base of what I know primarily follows my business and uses my products, right? Mm-hmm. And there will be some, one of my friends once, it was like, it was our elderberry syrup. She's like, oh. And we're all in the same group chat. She's like, oh, man, yeah, that's so good. That bottle's so cute. I would easily pay $25 for that. And my other friend's like, are you crazy? I would never pay $25 for that. Like, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, this is good conversation that we have to have, right? And then I was like, okay, how about at, you know, this the $14.99 price point? And um, everybody in the group is, like, all day long, Absolutely. Um, I still had a, a decent margin on that product, right? So I was still able to pay for the product, you know, pay for my time and make a little bit of money on that. Um, yeah. So I was like, but those are things like as a business owner, I know I need to do. And, and the greatest thing about that is now I get this group of people that are like, hey, um, can you make this? Or, hey, when I was in uh Miami, I tried this thing, you know, and, um, do you think this is something you can make? And, um, and then I'll, I'll sit in my kitchen for, you know, sometimes, sometimes an hour or two hours. And I'll be honest, there's been some things that I'm testing formulas and recipes for a month, trying to, um, get things right. And, and, um, because every, every ingredient acts different, right? I I remember when I was doing my, um, one of my cocktail syrups I do is a cranberry-based um, cocktail syrup, and my first time making it, I made it just the way I make pretty much like the blackberry sage, um, and I put it in those um, flip-top bottles because I was like, well, I'm not going to can it. I'm just going to give it to my trusted group of friends, right, to see if they can give me some feedback because I, mm-hmm. I add herbs to most of my syrups to give it like a really – unique like earthy kind of flavor so it's not just tangy sweet like candy yeah and she she showed up one of my friends showed up the next day to get her bottle i pulled it out of the fridge and it was cranberry sauce and it had hardened in this flip top bottle it was completely like i mean it was a looser cranberry sauce but it was definitely cranberry sauce It, it had gelled up it was past the syrup stage and I didn't put any like peck. I didn't put anything in there, right? And I was like, oh, I was like, oh man, I forgot. I was like, cranberries have themselves a little bit of pectin in them. I can't make this. I can't make this just like the blackberry one. And uh, my friend and I both laughed because she's like, oh, it smells really good. Sure, wish I could get a spoon in that bottle to taste the cranberry sauce. And mm-hmm. um, we both laughed. But you know, then I'm like, oh, you got to make it a little differently. You gotta, um, you gotta. Just there's just things you know you take notes on. I'm sure you do this right. You you're making something new. You take notes on everything you did or wow, what you should try next. If that didn't work, and when you perfect your recipe, it, you know it's all written down. So you make sure you make it the same way every time. But yes. yeah, it's just it was so funny. My friend, I mean, it's always good to have friends like that that laugh at your failures, right? But laugh, um, laugh with you at your failures. <laughs> yeah. Laugh with you at your failures. You know, and, and one of the things that I'm making now I'm trying to make is probably one of the most difficult things I've, I've ever had to do. But um, my my daughter's best friend's mom is um, one of them. And I felt so bad for her. She's sitting there across my little like kitchen island tasting these things with me. And I'm like, you can tell me. I go, this one's not good at all. And she goes, it's not good at all. And I'm like, you know, but. I'm like, you, there's times where you know you want to make something because you have a, you know you can do it, right? You have a, there's definitely people out there saying, oh, this would be really great if we could get it. Um, 
but yeah, you have to figure out the formula. You have to you have to test things. Um, you have to make sure the balance is right. Um, and I mean, I guess I don't know if my friends will ever hear this, but I would always say thank you for um, being there with me through my success and failures, and and making it fun for me to. Um, use you as quality control and a test market on everything to make sure to make sure that it's safe, you know, first. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have said thank you for trusting me enough to try eating what I made. That's, that's the thing I've said is thank you for trusting me enough. <laughs> Yeah, because I'll be honest, my husband is out. He's not always the one that's going to try it. You know what I mean? He's like, nope. He's like, I think my job is to just carry in the tables to the craft show and move the, you know, move move the crates or something, right? He's like, I don't know. If, he's like, I think you should have your friends taste it. Let them do the first two batches, and then I'll come in and give it a taste or whatnot. But, um yeah. yeah, it's it's really interesting with spouses. Um, my husband had not listened to a single episode of this, of my podcast podcast yet, and I sent him the link like a month ago of the one about maple syrup, and I said I think you would really like this one. It's something you're interested in. Will you please listen to it? And he said I don't. He said I don't want to get my hands in this. He said it's your baby, and I don't want to say anything. I said. I really want you to listen to this one. I really want your opinion and your thoughts. I said, if you tell me it sucks, I'm going to be like, well, that's your opinion. I'm going to keep doing it. But I really, I really want you to listen to it. So he finally listened to it this weekend. And he did it while he had his headphones in or his earbuds or whatever. And I walked out in the kitchen. He was doing dishes while he listened to it because he needed something to do with his hands. And I peeked around at his face and he was grinning. And I'm like, okay, I think he actually likes it. <laughs> so I go and do something else because there's nothing more nerve wracking than than watching someone experience the thing you created. Yeah. And so yeah. he came in, he came in the living room and he said, it's really good. And I said, it is. He said, it's really good. He said, I learned so much from her. He said, and you're really good at questions. I said, um, have, have we met? <laughs> so, well, yeah you're good at questions with, with people in person he said but he said it was just really good he said keep doing this and I just like I wasn't crazy excited but there was just this real satisfaction in the fact that he's been not listening to it mm -hmm. and then he yeah. listened to it and he was tickled with it so yeah yeah, I will say that. Like, that's something that's it is super important to me too. And my and my husband will say the same thing. He's like, "Oh, that's that's your guys's baby. I mean, that's your thing. I'll I'm just here to help where you need me." And it's like, but sometimes you do want that um, affirmation from your spouse, like you are you are doing good, or it it is good. You know what I mean? Like, or, um, or do something different with it. But do something some of this different is good. because yeah, like there. You know, like I, I'll try to explain to my my spouse. Like sometimes your opinion is the most important to me. You know what I mean? Because you know me the best, and um, you know, like this journey we're on, we're on together. So it's like there's just something like if they tell you to, you know, like what what their thoughts are on certain things. You know what I mean? It just yeah, it just makes me feel like it. With, with me, sometimes it helps me like try try to find my true north and make sure I'm pointed in the right direction. Um, and my husband knows that, you know, like I can be pretty like stubborn and pigheaded too, but um, I think we all can. Mm -hmm. But there's just times where like he's not going to tell me like um, there's certain things he is not going to tell me like, you know, how to use the can or how the can stuff like that. Right. But there's times where he'll tell me like it makes me feel good when he when he experiences something that I made and he's like wow that is that is really good you know or um you know there's just a different like with him sometimes I'm like you help me understand if there's something different I should do to be to make this more appealing to to you or to people like you or um and yeah, and then there's just the times where like, I'm sure you do this too. I, I don't know a small business owner who doesn't, but you're constantly like 
does this matter? Do people care? Am I doing the right thing? I'm always like, is this something God wants me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, am I doing too much? Am I taking away from my spouse and my family? Like, you know, there's all these questions. Like if you don't get, if somebody doesn't like your Facebook post or if you don't sell a certain amount at a farmer's market or a craft show, like, should I even be doing this? Right. It's just this constant there's just this constant like self-doubt sometimes. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the most important thing for my spouse is to always be like, not always be like this, but to just either give me the affirmation, the reassurance, or if I'm going down the path that he feels like he's getting, he's getting, you know, some sort of intuition that I shouldn't be going down to help, to help stop. Right. Because there's times that even as a small business owner, you're so driven to be something that you, you, you might not see everything. Right. So that's like so important for my spouse to, to, to help me, you know, just kind of navigate those things. And I couldn't ever say enough about how much I appreciate that, even though there's times where where you're like, I'm like, no, I know I'm supposed to be doing this. And, and uh, I may not be, but you know, I, Mm -hmm. I always appreciate that he's, true to our relationship and what we're supposed to be doing and keeping, keeping us on course. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is when you first start something, you don't know how it's going to end. You you, no. you can't know. When I floated this idea for this podcast to my husband, he was like, well, there's lots of people talking about homesteading. And I said, yes, but are they conversations with people actually doing it? And he said, not exactly. I said, and yeah. I said, cottage food producers and people who make things, crafters. I said, yeah. if, I, if I mix those all together and have conversations with people who are actually doing the thing, I said, number one, it gives them a chance to, to be excited verbally out in public about what they do with someone who gets it. Yeah. I said, number two, the people who listen are going to learn new things they can try or where they can get things they want to try. Yep. I said, and number three, I get to do something I love, which is pick people's brains because I really, really love talking with people about how they do things. I'm actually terribly shy in person. The first thing I do when I meet somebody new is ask them a question about them because that way I don't have to talk. Yeah, that's and and that's how I am, too. It's funny how, you know, I think a lot of us are actually like that. But I also do I also do photography and and I love that. But to get me in front of a camera mm-hmm. is uh, well, it doesn't happen very much. Um, I love to be behind the camera. Um, I used to do you know I'd help with some of the you know photographs at church and stuff before, and I would always be like, no, I got the long lens, <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to be like right up in um, people's faces. And I'm just, I'm the same way. People that first meet me, they're like, really, you're an introvert. And I'm like, oh gosh, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. I've just been, I've just trained myself over the last 20 years, especially with like my profession outside of my small business and, and what I do at home. It's, I mean, you have to just like, there's, it's been a long time of me working on how to be comfortable in front of people and um, how to, how to have these conversations. Yeah. But I can tell you after that happens, I like want to be in my house alone in silence and just be like, I need that. Right. I need that time to be just like restored and um, just kind of filled back up because it, it takes a lot out of an introvert you know, to have those conversations and be in the public and be speaking and, um, you know, stuff like that. So I am. Yeah. Yep. When I, when I used to, when I used to people, when I used to be social, um, I would go and I would visit with people more than one at a time. I would go somewhere and do it and I would come home and need a nap because that's how much it took out of me, even in my twenties and thirties. And so now I discovered that I actually get a charge out of this, out of talking to people in this medium, because 
I don't have to like do makeup and do my hair and pick an outfit and, and present myself a certain way. As long as I show up and say, good morning, how are you? And, and lead the questions and listen, I I'm good. And yeah, I'm actually so high after I talk with you guys that I come downstairs and thank God there's always somebody here. I go downstairs and I'm like, can I tell you what I learned to my son or my husband? Because I'm, I'm so excited. And then an hour later, I'm like, oh my God, I need food. I need coffee (laughs) and I need something else right now to, to deal with this crash from the high that comes from talking with people. Yeah. And my husband, he's like, I hit the stairs and he's like, what did you learn? Now that's what he does. I mean, what? So, what is some of the like? What is what is one of the coolest things I guess you've learned through all the people that you've interviewed on your podcast? How much people want to share about the things that they love, that they want to talk about it. When I yeah. started this, I thought, eh, I'm going to get maybe two people who want to talk to me. Maybe ten people will listen to it, and it's just going to go. Pfft. And that'll be the end of it. I didn't think that <laughs> that four months later I would still be doing this. It's um, amazing how many people are out there that do things like this, that you can keep having interviews and you can keep going. And um, they're probably in all different, you know, areas and make different things. And I mean, obviously we all have different experiences. So yeah, I, I, I can imagine that it's, it keeps you, it keeps you going. Yeah, and there are there are homesteading, um, cottage food producing, crafting things adjacent. Like I'm going to be talking with uh, one of the women who I think she's the marketing director for Minnesota Grown in okay. February, and I'm really excited because Minnesota Grown is a program through the state that helps people who grow proud produce and who sell yep. at farmers markets and stuff. Yep, and so. I really want to pick her brain about, so what, what, how are you helping people? What, what does Minnesota Grown offer? Why is it good to be a part of it? Yeah. And I know because we are and it's great, but yeah. I don't want to just hop on and make a recording about, so this Minnesota Grown thing is, and this is what happens and have it just be me. I think it's way more exciting to have a conversation with the person who is, is in charge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, The most interesting thing I've learned, I don't know, there's been so many. Um, I learned the other night talking to a guy who grows popcorn that you cannot grow popcorn within like three miles of any other corn because it'll cross-pollinate and it won't be popcorn anymore. I did not know that. Um, Talked to a lady the other day who raises Nigerian goats. Oh, fun. And learn that uh, not all goats eat everything. I had been under the impression for uh, my whole life, so 54 years, that goats are mischievous and they get into everything and they will eat tin cans and newspaper. No, that's pit bulls. That's what happens to yeah. me. That's just, that's just dogs in general. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, not my goats. And I, I was dumbfounded. I was like, really? And she said, no. She said, she said cows will will wrap their tongue around stuff and just pull it in their mouth and eat it because that they have that big broad nose. Yep. She said her goats will taste anything, but if they don't eat it, if they don't like it, they spit it right back out. Hmm. So I was I I was like, wow, I have thought that this was true my whole life and now my whole paradigm has shifted. Hmm. I mean, it's just little things like that. I I don't yeah. I don't know what the most interesting thing is because there's been so many. There's so many. I mean, I I know for me, I like to always share with people that um, you don't you don't have to be a certain mold. You don't have to have, like I said in the beginning, to dehydrate. You don't have to go buy all this stuff. I mean, I'm a I'm a director of procurement in my day life. I'm I work in corporate America, and if you see me at a craft show, you probably you probably won't think that right and mm-hmm. and I don't have to be a I don't have to be a certain mold to be into homesteading activities or um canning or living that kind of a natural lifestyle right mm-hmm. I mean you don't have to have a farm um you can I mean I'm in Maple Grove Minnesota right I'm I'm 3 blocks away from an elementary school I live on a cul-de-sac granted 
our yards are a little bigger because I am in I am in a neighborhood in town that's um, older, so the yards are much bigger. But you know, we, I mean, we've we we do maple syrup too. We have maple trees, you know, on our property, our neighbor's property. We tap all around our our um, little neighborhood and. Um, you know, we have gardens, we planted apple, we have apple trees. I mean, there's, I have a lemon tree in my house, right? There's so many things you can do and you don't need to live on a farm. And, and even in Maple Grove, a lot, like my neighbor for years has been saying, I want to get chickens. I wish this town would let us have chickens. And I'm like, well, you can, if you have the right size yard. And she's like, no, there's a whole Facebook group fighting for having chickens. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I've read the zoning codes, and if they tell me I can have six six poultry birds mm-hmm. the size of pigeons, if I have an R1 lot, I mean, poultry's chicken. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you can have and I'm like, you can have it. Like, look at your zoning maps. Like, you know, I always say, like, get information yourself. I mean, research into it, and there's – there's so many things that we had we can do here, and the only thing we had to do, like we did, to to keep things you know safe on our property, is we just made sure we put a fence up. Um, but there's so many things that you know you can do in your cities. You you do not need to have a hobby farm. You don't need to live in the country. Um, you can live. I mean, you can live in an apartment, and you can get a really nice. Um, uh, planters that are, um, you know, like I, I, I know I have a few that stack, you know, they're stackable planters and you can put those right on your balcony. Um, you know, there's options now for your indoor gardens that you can have. I mean, I, I like to tell people all the time, you do not have to live in the country on a farm, you know, to be able to, to do this kind of stuff. You don't have to be a certain type. I mean, anybody, anybody can do this. And, and especially in today's day and age, there's, there is so much, so much information out there. There's these types of podcasts, there's YouTube videos, there's books, there's everything you can imagine, um, to teach you how to do something. Um, and, and I always want people to know if just, you go ahead and try it if that's what you want to do, right? Like you can, you can have this kind of lifestyle any place that you live if if you really want it, you know. Yeah, I always say do what you can with what you have where you are. Yeah, and then if that goes somewhere, then maybe you have other things and you live somewhere else later. I yep. don't know. Um, yep. One one last thing. The other thing I think that happens is. People are problem solvers. And and if you have a problem that you, you can't get solved by buying it, people are innovative and they will come up with solutions. We, we used to live in a house that had the old original glass to a 110-year-old house in the windows, the wavy glass. Mm-hmm. And that is not the most insulating thing ever. And our bedroom was always cold in the wintertime. It didn't matter how hot we had the heat set at. It just the windows leaked air. And so I said to my husband, I said, we have those twin-sized quilts that we don't use anymore that we got from Kohl's on clearance, you know, of all places. I said, and we have a treadle sewing machine that we bought, and it actually works. I said, do you think the treadle sewing machine needle would get through the thickness of the, the quilt? And he said, I think so. I said, we could make curtains out of the quilts. I said, and tuck them into the window frame. Mm -hmm. I said, and obviously they're going to be heavy, you know, to hang, but we'll just get the right curtain rods. I said, I bet that would keep a lot of the drafts down. So that next week we, we did that over the weekend. He, he actually loves sewing. So he did the sewing, but, but I kind of supervised and told him what I wanted and what size and all that. Um, it's really cool because our bedroom in our home now is upstairs and the, the heating vent is actually on the landing outside our door that yeah. the air vent. 
So if we don't keep our door open, our bedroom gets pretty cold. And with the cold weather coming this weekend and for a couple of weeks, we're going to be using a fan to blow yeah. that warm air in. But the curtains actually fit the windows here as well. Oh, nice. So, so sometimes... Sometimes things are born out of seeing someone else doing it and wanting to try it. But other times things are born out of not having a solution to a problem. Yeah. So, and I don't know that, I don't know that anybody needs freeze-dried candy. I think that's a fun thing. Yeah. But people definitely need herbs to season their food because a steak with no seasoning isn't that great. It's not. A loaf of bread without without seasoning is just a loaf of bread. It doesn't really yep. taste like anything. Yeah. So there are things that we do that are just because they're fun. And there are things that we do because we need to do them. Yes. Yep. So, and on that note, we've been talking for an hour. This has been great. Crazy. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Crystal. I really appreciate yeah, it. For sure. Thank you for inviting me on this. This was, uh, this was exciting. And I'm so happy that you reached out to me and so happy to be a part of your podcast and part of your creation. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. All right. Bye. bye.